just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Thursday. We're almost all the way through another crazy freaking week. And it's not stopping anytime soon. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about on this show. Now, last night, we had a good time. We went to my, I think it's my great niece's birthday party. She turned 13 years old. Her mother is my goddaughter and my wife's goddaughter. Uh, Her grandfather is my brother. Now, we've been very close to her and her two brothers since they've been born, kind of like another set of grandparents to them. Not quite the same as what my brother and his wife are to them, but uh, we love those kids, and we get involved with their sports. We watch their sports, and uh, we're always at the parties and such. And I'm just thinking to myself, my goddaughter has a 13-year-old girl. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. And the only reason I know anything about this is because I had two sisters. Now, I have two sons. I didn't have to go through the girl thing when I was raising my kids. But I did have two sisters. I know what's ahead. And it's not promising. Now, now this, this girl, she's a good kid. So that should help quite a bit. <laughs> but what I always laugh about every time I see her, she will always come up to me and say, Do you know how many people you have following you on TikTok? Now, she has a TikTok account. It's private, and it has to do with the things she's interested in. But she watches what's going on with my TikTok account, and she's absolutely amazed that I have any followers, let alone the number of followers I have. But she keeps close track on it. I said, yeah, I kind of know how many followers I have. And she just looks at me, and she says, why? Why? You don't do anything. You just sit there and talk. I go, I know, but there's a lot of old people out there that don't mind me just sitting and talking. So I got a lot of old people following me. I don't have a lot of people your age following me, but there's a lot of old people out there, too. And she just shakes her head. She doesn't understand how this whole thing fucking works. I mean, she knows TikTok. She's a kid. She just doesn't understand how I'm able to get any followers, let alone as many as I have. So I love going seeing this kid. Um, she's, uh, she's a very smart kid, very funny kid, and she's going to do well for herself as well as her brothers too. She's got two brothers, but that's what we did last night. And, uh, I said to my wife, I said, this retired thing is awesome. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, after I get done doing this, all I have to do is decide what fun I'm going to have tomorrow. I don't have to worry about getting to work at a special time or anything like that. I just have to decide what's going to be fun. And fortunately for me, doing TikToks and podcasts, that's fun too. All right, we're going to start this thing off with an email. Now, as I said, I've been whining and crying and pissing and moaning about not enough emails. I'm starting to get a bunch of emails. I was whining about not having listeners Uh, to come on the show. Now I'm getting all kinds of suggestions and offers to do that. So hopefully within the next few days, we'll have some listener shows as well. 
I reached out to Ed, and hopefully he's going to be available later today or tomorrow, whenever. But we'll have a lot of stuff coming your way. All right. This email. This comes from a woman by the name of Ilona. Ilona. That's how you pronounce it. She had a little pronunciation guide for me. I don't know that she's ever written before. She says, hi, Mike, I love your podcast so much that I listen to it every morning as I take my walk with my pit mix, Polly. I got to tell you, Alona, I love dogs. I love all dogs better than most people. And so I envy you where I live. I can't have a dog. The fact that we're traveling a lot, we can't have a dog. Uh, My son has a dog. Um, My brother and my niece and goddaughter they have dogs so i get to see a lot of dogs but i can't have one so i envy you she goes on to say you make politics interesting (laughs) thank you i appreciate that I, i i guess i didn't realize that and are helping me to understand what is happening in real time let's keep the trips to georgia to a minimum or at least plan your trips for when nothing is happening just kidding don't tell your wife i said that I don't want to piss her off because she may not allow you back on the air. Well, let me explain a couple things. You're right. You don't want to piss off my wife, but this wouldn't piss off my wife. Um, And as far as allowing me back on the air, well, as tough as she might be and as much control as she has over me, uh, she doesn't have that much control. I'm doing this whether anybody likes it or anybody listens to it, so... That's just the way it goes. In terms of my trips to uh, Georgia, yes, it does create kind of a glitch in the way I do the podcast because, you know, if I'm away, I either don't have the time or the equipment to do it. However, since we did purchase a condo there, a second home, I guess you would call it, uh, I'm buying another another laptop computer and some other equipment, so it'll be down there in Georgia when I'm there. Actually, I may just carry it with me because we'll be going to other places, but it will allow me to sit down and do a podcast from anywhere I am. I'll be perfectly honest with you. When I start doing those podcasts ahead of time, I don't like doing that because we can't stay on top of things. And to be honest with you, the few days prior to the trip, it's a lot of fucking work. So I'm going to have the equipment with me next time I go to Georgia or wherever, and I'll be able to do the podcast wherever I am. So we've got that situation fixed. Now, Lona goes on to say, I used to be a Republican in the 80s, but grew so disillusioned with both parties that I became an independent voter. This year, however, I decided to change my affiliation to the Democratic Party because I believe the Republican Party is evil. Well, they are. A strong Democratic Party is the only viable option to get them out of power. Um, I've aligned myself with the Democrats, too, and like you, I'm more so an independent because I don't trust either party. The way I explain it to people is that, while I may not be on board with everything that the Democrats do. The Democrats are the only people that can put out the shitstorm fire, dumpster fire, that is the Republican Party. That's the first step. Vanquish the Republican Party. And then we've got to take a good look at the Democrats, because they have their issues, too. So I can relate to what you're saying, Alona. I wish I'd been paying more attention to what was going on in politics. That was a luxury I had before T. Rump was in office. 
No more. I am motivated to help get our country back on track. I will be paying attention. I will vote and I will be an activist, especially for women, LGBTQIA+, and all those who have had their humanity stomped on by the Republicans. I want to ask you about a TikTok video I saw by another creator. He said, if we were to have a civil war in this country, it would be bad. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I'll buy into that. A civil war would be bad. Russia and China would come to support the Republicans, and the European Union and our NATO allies would support the Democrats. I'd never thought of it that way. Slightly terrifying, don't you think? What do you, Mike, think about the possibility of a civil war in the U.S., given the division in this country? As a rational boomer, I don't see that happening, especially with the Democrats in power and the fact that they will hopefully be gaining more seats in the midterms. While the Trump fucks are loud and crazy as fuck, when push comes to shove, they will slither back under their rocks. The sooner, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Again, much thanks for your podcast. If you want more emails, you should probably put your email address on your social media accounts or at least repeat it at the beginning and end of your podcast. (laughs) I do. I do it a lot. (laughs) But you're right. I, I, I can expose it more. All right. Well, thank you, Alona. I appreciate your email. And as far as a civil war in this country, I don't I'm with you. I don't believe that's going to happen. I mean, the only people screaming about civil war are the Republicans. The Republicans are essentially bullies and bullies are cowards. You know, it's one thing to charge the Capitol when you have the president of the United States protecting you. But that isn't the case anymore. That's not the case. They are not going to start a civil war. They are slowly but surely going to, as you say, whimper and slither away. That's the ultimate of what's happening. The only time I'm concerned about real, real violence, that is if the Republicans take the House and the Senate and ultimately the presidency in 2024, and we start to see this push toward uh, authoritarianism or fascism or whatever you want to call it, then I see the possibility of violence. And that would be coming from the Democratic side. <clears throat> and, and that's because they would be scared to death that they were losing their country, and they would be right. Now, let's hope that fear comes before that point like it did in 2020, and and we see them come out and vote in mass so that doesn't happen. Now, <clears throat> if the Republicans do take power and all this goes on like I suggested, and the Democrats um, get scared and angry, uh, God help the Republicans. There's not enough of these trump to even take a decent shot at the Democrats. So, I'm not really worried that there's going to be a civil war. Um, People like the Republicans, like Donald Trump, they are cowards, so they ultimately run and they go hide and they disappear. I've had experiences like that in my own life. As I've told you, my father was a narcissist, is a narcissist, as far as I know. Um, And when I got to an age and an intellect where I could be his match and even beat him, what he did is he took off. I haven't seen my father in, what, 15, maybe 18 years? 
And it's fine. It's fine. I uh, People always say you shouldn't be angry at your father for the rest of your life. I'm not angry at him. He's just inconsequential to me. I don't need a daddy. I'm a daddy. I'm a grandfather. I'm beyond that point. I'm fine. <laughs> I just don't want his dark cloud hanging over the rest of my family, my kids and my grandkids. It's one thing that I had to deal with it. My, my kids and my grandkids will not. I will not allow that. So, Alona, I thank you for your for your email. I'll try to promote the email address more often. And since we're here, it's very simple. If you want to write me an email, send it to rationalboomer at gmail.com. That's it. You can write me about anything, anytime. I get the emails personally. I read the emails personally most of the time on the air so everybody else can get some of the insights and knowledge that you have because it's not all about me. It's all about the rational boomer. And remember, I am not the rational boomer. I am a rational boomer. All of you are rational boomers. Rational boomer isn't an individual. Rational boomer is a concept, is a movement, if you will. I don't know if we can call it a movement yet, but I will because fuck it. <laughs> I made it up. So far as I'm concerned, it's a movement. All right. Let's move on to uh, the things that are going on. And, and actually, some big news just came out yesterday. Uh, kind of unexpected news. And I think there's I think I know why this happened. And I'll talk about that afterwards. Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia, said Wednesday he's reached a deal with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on a sweeping $740 billion package to increase taxes on the wealthy and invest in climate and health care while also reducing the deficit. Now, Joe Manchin has always been the guy pissing on the parade and not allowing these things to pass, even though he is a Democrat. But somehow... Uh, Schumer, Chuck Schumer, who I, I'm not I'm not thinking he's a strong enough leader of the Senate uh, at this point. Somehow they came to a deal. Now, the agreement now dubbed the Inflation Reduction Act, and that may be part of why, why he agreed on it, because it sounds good. It sounds good that he was one of the authors to the Inflation Reduction Act. It, uh, this has been a blessing to the White House and rescues much of the Democratic domestic policy agenda from the trash heap. Manchin seemed to put it in just two weeks ago. Manchin was not for this two weeks ago, and now all of a sudden he is. Now, rather than risking more inflation with trillions in new spending, the bill will cut the inflation taxes Americans are paying, lower the cost of health insurance and prescription drugs, and ensure our country invest in the energy security and climate change solutions. We need to remain a global superpower through innovation rather than elimination, Manchin said in a lengthy statement. This is quite a turnaround. This is a guy who did not want to tax the rich. This is a guy who makes a million dollars a year from a fucking coal mine and did not like green energy. But somehow he's switching it here. Wonder why. I'll tell you why I think why in a minute. 
The deal took official Washington, official Washington by surprise. Manchin has been at home in West Virginia this week, recovering from COVID-19, and Democrats seem to set to accept a smaller health care-focused offer from Manchin on Wednesday night. Republicans were seething over the deal's timing while Democrats scrambled to figure out its contents. Democrats are racing to pass the measure before the Senate leaves town. Uh, for its annual month-long recess in order to stave off health insurance premium increases that are scheduled to kick in that month. House Democrats have indicated that they are prepared to come back from their own August recess to pass a reconciliation bill. Now, Final details or text of the legislation were not yet available, but Schumer and Manchin outlined the broad strokes of the agreement. Here's something you need to know. Your, you know, if you went through the ACA and you got your health insurance that way, like I did, um, you got a tax cut, a significant tax cut with the COVID relief bill. Now, if they didn't do something like what they're outlining here, the tax cut would be taken away and your health care would skyrocket. I'll give you an example. My wife and I were spending... 1200 a month just paying for our own health insurance. That's what we were paying. And now after the uh, tax break, our tax bill is more like 600 a month. So, you know, it cut it in half, and that's substantial. That makes a huge difference, not only to me, but to everybody else. Now, had they not done something with this, I think come December 31st, that shit would have shot back up and then a bunch of people who couldn't afford health care would no longer have health care. So that's a big move for a lot of people in this country. The proposal would raise $740 billion by instituting a 15% minimum corporate tax rate, beefing up the Internal Revenue Service's enforcement of tax laws on the ultra-wealthy, narrowing the carried interest loophole, which allows hedge fund managers and other wealthy investors to pay lower taxes and requiring Medicare to negotiate the prices of some uh, drugs directly with manufacturers, leveraging the social insurance program's massive buying power to wring savings from drug makers. It's a lot of big deal. I mean, especially the the um, the uh, big pharma thing. What they charge for drugs is a crime in my mind. I mean, people are having to decide whether I take drugs that will keep me alive or eat. That should not fucking happen in this country at any time, anywhere, anyhow. It then spends a historic $369 billion on energy security and the climate change, which Democrats say will be enough to cut carbon emissions in the United States by 40% before 2030 and put $64 billion toward extending subsidies for the Affordable Care Act for three years. The remaining $300 million will go toward reducing the deficit, a priority for Manchin. The new proposal would also cap a Medicare patient's out-of-pocket expenses as 2000 a year. The bill's passage is not yet a sure thing. Senate Democrats' other moderate standout, Kristen Sinema, has indicated she needs to review legislative text before making a decision. And a group of House Democrats from New York and New Jersey have said they'll refuse to support any deal that doesn't restore the federal tax deduction for paying state 
and local income taxes. I believe they call that SALT. Manchin explicitly rules out restoring the deduction in a statement. Our tax code should never favor red or blue states. He said, referring to it by the acronym SALT for state and local tax, business-friendly Representative Joss Gottenheimer, who is leading the group demanding the restoration of SALT, was noncommittal Wednesday night. I've got to understand the impact it has on families in my district, he told Politico. Until I see specifics, it's hard to know. Now, Republicans are expected to line up against the legislation, so Democrats will use a legislative maneuver called reconciliation to pass the bill through the Senate with only 50 votes, plus Kamala Harris's tiebreaker. In the House, Democrats will only be able to lose support from four members of the 220-member caucus. Senate Democrats can change the name of Build Back Broke as many times as they want. It won't be any less devastating to American families and small businesses, said John Cornyn, referring to Biden's Build Back Better plan. This plan is also expected to generate fierce opposition from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and other business lobbyists. The legislation remains far smaller than the $4 trillion Build Back Better plan that uh, Joe Biden initially unveiled in the spring of 2021 and many of its potentially game-changing proposals, tuition-free college Uh, community college, subsidies for child care, and expanded monthly child tax credit have been thrown aside. So, this is a compromise on the Build Back Better deal. That doesn't suggest that that Build Back Better won't come back, all the other things. Like I say, if we all step up and step out and vote in November, and we get a bigger majority in the House and the Senate, That other stuff from the Build Back Better will come through, too, but it's not going to happen before November. It's absolutely crucial that they they do this health care and this um, 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 this green energy thing, uh, because these things are an immediate problem. Can you imagine if millions and millions, tens of millions of people's health care went up by double like mine? I'd find a way around it. I'll be fine. But uh, there's a lot of people. That's a lot of money, and it's going to hurt them. So this has to be done. And I think this is probably the best thing they can do. Get what they can get now. Destroy them in the midterms, and then get whatever the fuck you want. Now, the question is, why is Joe Manchin all of a sudden being more flexible. Why is he interested in doing this? We know what he's done for two years. He's stepped on fucking everything. He's been nothing but a pain in the ass. He's been a Republican in Democrats clothing. Why is he doing it now? Well, I think I think it's pretty obvious. He sees what's going on with the January 6th committee, the Republicans, and he sees these Republicans soon to take a shit that they are going to be in some deep trouble. And so now, because he's always been um, considered to be more with Republicans and Democrats, Manchin is trying to save his ass. You know, before this all comes apart and the wheels come off, which they are doing currently, he wants to seem a little softer, a little 
more decent, a little more Democrat. This is all a game for Joe Manchin. He's not doing anything he doesn't want to do. And in this case, it seems to make more sense that he's trying to save his ass. So we'll see what happens with this. We'll see if it passes. It's actually very important that it passes, but there's a lot of things in that Build Back Better deal that need to be addressed too, like the child tax credit. When they instituted that initially, it brought 50% of children in poverty out of poverty. The moment that that ended, it put those same kids back in poverty. That's fucking cruel. That is ridiculous. And that is the Republicans. That is Joe Manchin. That is Christian cinema. It's on them. But now it looks like that uh, Joe Manchin is trying to rehabilitate his image with Democrats. I'll be honest with you. I will never forget the shit he did. I will always think he's a piece of shit. And when he does this, it's nice, but it's not everything we need. But we might as well get what we can get before November. Because after November, if we do our jobs, if you and I do our jobs, fuck Joe Manchin, fuck the Republicans, we will do whatever the fuck we want. So you might as well grab what you can and hope to God that the Republicans self-destruct or the January 6th committee or the DOJ or Georgia or New York uh, destroys the Republican Party. And if that happens, well, then we've got a uh, good situation for the Democrats. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It should be very interesting. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. For months, we heard nothing from Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice regarding the January 6th insurrection. People presumed that they were doing nothing, and a lot of people bemoaned that. A lot of people were whining about it. I heard about it every day. Merrick Garland isn't doing anything. The DOJ will never do anything. Donald Trump, everybody around him, won't be accountable. And while I kind of understood their point of view, I knew that was not the case. There's no way the kinds of laws that were broken and how egregious and how blatant they were that the DOJ was going to do nothing. I knew there were some some uh, complexities to all this uh, when it comes to indicting a former president and uh, his staff. There are some problems with that. Um, but we've never seen crimes like this committed by a former president. So whatever the norms are, that has to be thrown out the window. I mean, let's be honest, Donald Trump threw the norms out the window, so it makes sense that the DOJ would do the same. Now, the January 6th committee started up the hearings in June. Shortly after that, we started hearing some rumblings from the DOJ. We got the sense that the DOJ was kind of lagging behind the January 6th committee. It seemed like the J6 committee was putting pressure on the DOJ, and begrudgingly they were starting to do their investigations so they didn't look stupid. But frankly, you, you, you never see a DOJ follow up 
what the um, select committees do in Congress. It should be the other way around. The DOJ should be in the process, and then the select committee will, will start up. But that wasn't how it appeared here. Well, now we are finding out something completely different. It turns out that the DOJ has been working on things regarding January 6th insurrection since April, which precedes the start of the hearings. That's good to know. Now, you'll say, but we never heard anything. Well, of course you don't, because Merrick Garland is very closed-lipped about these things. That's the way you're supposed to do it. And people will tell me, why didn't he just tell us? Well, apparently telling us would have hurt the case. Do you want to know what's going on at the detriment of these court cases? No, you want to see these people accountable. You want the court cases to work perfectly. So Merrick Garland did exactly what he needed to do. Now, we also heard that the DOJ is investigating Donald Trump specifically with regards to the insurrection on January 6th and the things he was doing. This is unprecedented. This has never happened to a former president before. So already Merrick Garland is stepping outside the box and doing something that we've never seen before. This has never happened before. Now we're hearing that the DOJ now has all of Mark Meadows' cell phone data. And guess what? There's a whole shitload of it. I mean, a lot of conversation between Meadows um, and other people in the administration, members of Congress, the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, all this shit. But it also has a ton of communications between Mark Meadows and none other than Jenny Thomas. Now, this is a big problem for Jenny and her husband, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Now, Jenny Thomas is currently negotiating with the January 6th committee to see if she'll testify. But at this point, the J6 committee is the least of her problems. The DOJ is up her ass, and they aren't any negotiations with them. They call you in, and you fucking come, or you go to jail. It's going to be quite entertaining watching how Ginny and Clarence react to this, not to mention Mark Meadows, who has refused to testify in front of the J6 committee. He's going to be going through some things. See, I think people confuse these two things. You have the January 6th committee. This is purely an investigation. This is to get to the facts and expose them to the public and ultimately the DOJ. The January 6th committee cannot indict anybody, cannot prosecute anybody, and cannot punish anybody. This is about getting the information in and out to all of us. The DOJ is an entirely different situation. This is the law. Now, you know how people say, well, I don't know if I want to talk to the J6 committee. There's some gray area there where they get away with it, at least for a while. Not so much with the DOJ. This is the fucking law. If you don't respond to the DOJ, you are in a world of hurt. This is not where they want to be. They can fiddle dick around with the January 6th committee, but not the DOJ. So, Jenny Thomas who is probably nervous about talking to the J6 committee, has got to be really fucking nervous about talking to the DOJ, especially when she knows in her head and her heart of hearts that she broke some fucking laws. And this has also got to be fucking with Clarence Thomas. I mean, he's a Supreme Court justice. His wife is going to go in there, and she's at risk of being 
indicted and prosecuted. And the fact of the matter is, if what Merrick Garland said is true, that it didn't matter who anybody was, uh, he said anyone and everyone that was involved in trying to overthrow this government will be uh, pursued and prosecuted. Well, Jenny Thomas certainly was involved. We know that now, especially now with these Mark Meadows texts that are, that uh, we know that the DOJ already has. And we know now that the DOJ has been working on this pretty hot and heavy since April. So it's been a while. It's been six months that they've been working on this, even though we hadn't heard anything. Jenny Thomas is in some trouble. Like I said, she might as well go talk to the J6 committee because that doesn't mean shit. The DOJ has already got a target on her fucking back and she's in trouble. But if the DOJ has a target on her back, they have to be looking at Clarence, too. I mean, they are married. They have similar ideologies. Uh, Clarence Thomas refused to recuse himself on anything that had to do with Jenny or or, uh, the January 6th insurrection. So Clarence has some problems. Now, as much as he can protect himself within the Supreme Court, if what Merrick Garland has said is true, then he is liable for possible prosecution if he has broken a law. And I have a feeling if they have all these text messages and they get get uh, Jenny Thomas to testify with the DOJ, fuck the January 6th committee, she's going to the DOJ and she's going to say some crazy shit. And it's going to open up some other doors that may lead to Clarence Thomas. Now, it seems unlikely that they would prosecute Clarence Thomas, but if he was part of the insurrection, you have to. You have to. And this is going to put a lot of pressure on Clarence Thomas, and we're already seeing how that pressure is taking effect. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, following a Tuesday night bombshell report from the Washington Post that the Department of Justice has opened up a massive criminal probe into Donald Trump's attempt to steal the 2020 presidential election, the former president went on an early morning multi-post tirade on that (laughs) ever-powerful That, uh, what do they call that? Um, I don't know what they fucking call it. True social is a bunch of shit, but that's the only place he can post at this point. As expected, after the Post reported that aides to Mike Pence have been providing investigators with insider information about the former president's fake elector plot. Trump began a social media campaign that mainly consisted of pointing fingers at all all over the place while also pleading, I was doing my job as president. Yeah, motherfucker, you sure were. But not president of the United States, more like president of fucking Russia. Trump kicked off his morning by writing, Just more disinformation by the Democrats like the Russia, Russia, Russia scam. Well, it turns out Russia wasn't a scam. You were helped by the Russians. You did collude with the Russians, but we'll leave that there. Or the impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, the long-running Mueller report, which ended in no collusion. No, it did not end in no collusion, and you were not exonerated. You just happened to be president and weren't 
they weren't able to hold you accountable, and so much more. Now we have found the answers to these crooked election-changing events. Why is the Justice Department not prosecuting those responsible? Plenty of time left. (laughs) He's trying to get the DOJ to uh, do his bidding and try to prosecute something that doesn't exist, meaning election fraud. He then added, people forget this is all about a rigged and stolen election. No, it's not, Donnie. That's what you want it to be, but it's not because that didn't happen. What it's about is a president of the United States trying to overthrow the government, try to stop the peaceful transition of power. That's what you did. There is no question about it. But rather than go after the people that rigged and stole it, they go after the people that are seeking honesty and truth and have freedom of speech and many other defenses on their side. Justice Department should look at the crime of the century. Evidence is massive and irrefutable. The sad and sick thing about this is, with all the evidence coming out as of late, we know for a fact that he knows there was no election fraud, that he continues to lie. And this is what narcissists do. They try to gaslight you because all they know how to do is gaslight and bully and gaslight and bully. But I've told you a long time ago, at some point, they can't do it anymore. And then they freak out. They start flailing. They may even start to get violent. So watch Donnie close. He's almost at that point. The former president also included the Fulton County, Georgia grand jury election fraud investigation in his list of complaints. Well, of course he did. The Georgia phone call was perfect. We heard the phone call, motherfucker. It wasn't perfect. It was criminal. Many people and lawyers on both sides were knowingly on one call. I assume the call was tape. There was zero complaints or angry how dare you charges made during the call and no hang-ups by anyone aggrieved or insulted at what was said, he wrote. They were perfect calls. I was just doing my job as president and seeking fairness and truth. The election was rigged and stolen. I swear to God it was rigged and stolen. So Donald is saying, well, nobody hung up on me. Nobody yelled at me. You're the fucking president of the United States. All they can do is sit there and bite their tongue and listen to your bullshit. See, this is what he does all the time. He says he was exonerated by the Mueller report because he wasn't indicted. Well, we know there was at least 10 occasions of obstruction of justice by Donald Trump. The reason he wasn't indicted had nothing to do with him being completely innocent. It had everything to do with him being protected because he was president. He was guilty. He could have been indicted. He could have gone to jail for these things. How do I know this? Well, Mueller said it himself in the fucking in the fucking hearings. This guy is amazing. And he's so bad at it. He's not even really good at gaslighting. Now, after he seemingly spent his fury, he implored his fans to attend (laughs) a golf tournament he is hosting at Bedminster this weekend, writing, Just arrived in Bedminster for the big LIV Tour golf tournament. Record money to winners. Great excitement. Come on out Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and watch the great play by the best players. You know, of course, what that live tour is. That's a Saudi Arabian-backed tour where some people have left the PGA and and gone to that. And now the PGA is saying, well, you can't come back now. 
It's a very controversial thing. And of course, Donald Trump, uh, while he's crying and whining about him getting his ass kicked, he's got to throw the grift in there. Oh, come to my golf tournament. You haven't given me enough money yet. Please come out. This fucking stupid piece of shit. He's so done. He is so done. And I want to remind you folks, I've said this from the beginning. Donald Trump will get his. There's no question about it. What he ultimately gets, we don't know, but in the end, he will be destroyed. He will be a pariah, and he will be a non-factor in the future of this country. All right, on, on Wednesday's edition of CNN's The Lead, Representative Adam Kinzinger, he's a Republican from Illinois who's on the J6 committee, um, said that his committee still plans to investigate Jenny Thomas, the far-right activist and wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, as we talked about before. As I've said, the J6 committee is the least of her problems because she's got the DOJ coming after her shit. Jenny Thomas has been implicated heavily in the plot to overturn the 2020 presidential election, including calling up state lawmakers in Arizona to try to throw out the results. That right there is fucking illegal. Your vice chair of the committee, Liz Cheney, told me on Sunday the committee is prepared to consider sending a subpoena to Jenny Thomas. If she does not appear before the committee voluntarily, said anchor Jack Jake Tapper, what would the decision be? Kinziger goes on and says, so that's, so the lawyer, lawyers are really good at that kind of knowing when they're in legitimate negotiation, which is all standard, or when they are being stalled, said Kinzinger. And typically what we have seen is they will come to us and say, they're just stalling right now. That's when we issue a subpoena. I think when we get to that threshold, we will send a subpoena. She will not receive special treatment because of her family connections, Kinzinger also stressed. We're not treating her differently because of her last name. We have discovered more and more involvement, some of which has been reported openly about her involvement with Eastman or trying to convince state electors. We want to talk to her. She said through the media that she's eager to talk to us. Hopefully we can get there. If not, We'll do what we need to do to make sure that we can talk to her. Now, I mentioned something about Clarence Thomas. There's a lot of heat on his wife that will naturally bleed over into him. And we're seeing some behavior out of Thomas that might suggest he's a little nervous. On Wednesday, the Associated Press reported that Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas is canceling plans to teach a seminar at George Washington University after outrage and widespread protests from students. Maybe he's just scared that somebody's going to take a shot at him after this uh, Brett Kavanaugh thing. Thomas, 74, has taught at the private school since 2011, said the report. He was supposed to lead the seminar with Judge Gregory Maggs of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces. Maggs once served as a Supreme Court clerk to Thomas. So you're telling me this guy doesn't make enough money and doesn't spend enough time in the Supreme Court. He's got to have a side gig. (laughs) A side gig as a teacher. Thomas was part of the conservative majority that in late June overturned Roe v. Wade, of course, a decision that guaranteed the constitutional right to abortion. 
In the following days, thousands of students signed a petition calling for the school to sever its relationship with Thomas, but university officials refused. According to the report, Mags will still teach the course. So, uh, in addition to his other problems, he's got the students that he had hoped to teach saying, fuck you, we don't want you to come. Thomas was part, uh, well, in recent weeks, the justices involved in abortion cases have been inundated with protest, including at their houses and in public. And as I mentioned, Justice Brett Kavanaugh was forced to exit a restaurant through the back door as protesters converged on the pres- uh, premises. The restaurant itself then faced protests for angrily condemning the protest, with activists placing thousands of fake reservations to deny them business. Of course, there's the other aspect where they caught a man with a gun near Kavanaugh's house who explained he was planning to shoot Kavanaugh. Activist groups like Shutdown DC have been even offered cash bounties for sightings of the right-wing justices that allow protesters to converge on them. You know, the funny thing is they're trying to get out of the, the the justices on the Supreme Court are trying to make a rule or laws or something where people can't protest outside their house, which is ironic because that is their right according to the First Amendment. You would think the Supreme Court would want to uphold the Constitution, and they claim they do unless it's inconvenient to them, like with protesting in front of their house or overturning Roe v. Wade. Well, if you don't want people to protest in your house, in front of your house, don't be bipartisan. Don't be corrupt. Don't fucking lie. Don't take away constitutional rights. Then you'll be fine. But if you do those things, don't be surprised if Americans don't like it and decide to exercise their First Amendment right. Now, This is interesting. Um, I haven't seen this, but I'm definitely going to look for it. I've seen other videos, and I, I know what they're saying. Donald Trump Jr. apparently is not coping well with Monday's leak of the United States Supreme Court draft majority opinion ending abortion rights, but not because millions of his fellow citizens will lose their fundamental liberties. On Wednesday morning, Jr. posted a video to Rumble in which he freaked out over the fact that the forthcoming Supreme Court ruling was prematurely made public. So he was upset about the leak. The three-minute video began with an overly stimulated junior flailing around, shouting about privacy and demands a criminal investigation into the leak. There is no evidence so far that any laws were broken. Here's the interesting thing about that. When that leak first came out, the Supreme Court says, we got to find out who did this. We're going we're gonna to take them to task. We're going to prosecute and we're going to do all this. What have you heard about it lately? They haven't heard fuck all about it. They either can't find the leak or just not talking about it now. And I think we'll find ultimately that it was one of the justices that leaked it out. They had no intention of prosecuting anybody. They just had to act like they were upset. They leaked it because they wanted to. It's, you know, I kind of worry about um, um, Donald Trump Jr., I mean, this fucking guy, he looks like he's on meth, crack, cocaine, whatever, but he's losing it. And he should be losing it because he's in the middle of all this stuff with the insurrection and many other things. 
Don Jr. could easily go to jail, along with Ivanka, for that matter. That uh, it's it's so fun to watch this guy. I I don't like him. He's dumb as a fucking rock, and uh, he's going to do exactly what Donald Trump does: implicate himself and get himself thrown in jail because he's stupid. Now, former President Trump on Wednesday said he planned, get this one, he planned to file a lawsuit against CNN alleging the network has repeatedly defamed him dating back to his 2016 campaign for the presidency. I have notified CNN of my intent to file a lawsuit over the repeated defamatory statements against me, Trump said in a statement. I will also be commencing actions against other media outlets who have defamed and defrauded me. And they've defrauded me regarding the overwhelming evidence of fraud throughout the 2020 election. I will never stop fighting for the truth and for the future of our country. The 282-page letter from Trump's attorney to CNN executives dated July 21 calls for the network to retract or correct numerous on-air statements and published articles about Trump that the lawyers allege are false and defamatory. Well, none of them are false. Donald Trump constantly threatens lawsuits that he never pursues. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how he has fucking time. He has probably 20 lawsuits against him right now, not to mention the investigation with the January 6th committee, the investigation with the DOJ, the investigation in Georgia, the investigation in New York, and the other investigation in D.C., He's not suing anybody. He's just trying to, again, gaslight or play the bully. I'm going to threaten you and you're going to cave. Well, I tell you what, CNN's not going to cave because they didn't lie. The letter goes on to cite dozens of examples, many of which relate to the network's coverage of Trump's repeated claims that the 2020 presidential election was fraudulent. CNN coverage frequently referred to those claims as lies, false narratives, and baseless theories among other terms, which is absolutely accurate. <laughs> there has been no evidence shown that there's any election fraud, so I don't know what on what basis they're suing. I would be surprised if any court takes this up. The lawsuit alleges those descriptions are false and defamatory. No, they're not, in part because Trump genuinely believes his claims that the election was stolen. I don't think he really believes it. I think he's just pulling this to try to change the narrative. He is not going to sue CNN. Not going to happen. Without regard for President Trump's genuine belief in his statements, CNN has published numerous articles characterizing him as a liar and the purveyor of the big lie. The letter to CNN states, But perhaps in a preview of how Trump's lawsuit is likely to be received, dozens of lawsuits filed after the 2020 Uh, election alleging there was widespread fraud that tipped the scales in favor of Joe Biden were summarily dismissed because of lack of evidence, in some cases by judges appointed by Trump. You remember all the lawsuits he filed after the election, 60-some lawsuits. He lost every motherfucking one of them. Thinks he's going to win this one? No, he's not even going to file a lawsuit. He doesn't have the money now to pay for... uh, pay for his uh, legal fees. In fact, we know the RNC, the Republican National Committee, is paying his legal fees for some unknown fucking reason. But the rumor is the RNC said to uh, Donnie, listen, man, 
We'll cover your legal fees, but if you run for president in 2024, we stop. You pay your own legal fees. And we know Donald Trump only gives a fuck about the money, so we'll see where that goes. Now, Trump has spent the 18 months since leaving office continuing to claim the 2020 election was stolen or rigged against him, including as recently as Tuesday during a speech in Washington, D.C., Multiple audits and recounts have validated Biden's victory, and many former Trump administration officials have said there was not enough fraud to change the outcome. Many of the articles cited in the lawsuit were our uh, opinion or analysis pieces about Trump's uh, rhetoric after the 2020 election, in some cases trying or tying that rhetoric to the attack on the Capitol on January 6th. Others are news articles documenting the frequency of his inaccurate statements. Yeah. Donald Trump is not suing anybody. He's got more legal problems than he can possibly fucking handle. This is what narcissists and bullies do. If you don't do this, I'm going to really give you what for. (laughs) And then he never does because he's got no basis to do it. They've gone to court more than 60 times about election fraud. Most courts didn't even take it up because there was no evidence, and the ones that did take it up threw it out very quickly. Donald Trump has nothing. And as I was saying before, he's at that point now where his normal tricks, his gaslighting, his bullying are not working anymore. He's not going to bully CNN. They know they can't be sued for this shit, so they're not going to give in to him. But that's what Donnie Trump thinks. He thinks he can make everybody give in to him. You'll remember that um, court case. And I hope this comes back up at some point. There was a lawsuit where Donald Trump was a co-defendant with Jeffrey Epstein. And the lawsuit was about the two of them raping a 13-year-old girl. The lawsuit cropped up prior to the election, then it went away, then it came up again, and then it went away again. Now, did it go away because this, well, she's an older woman now because it happened some time ago. That's why it's a, a civil lawsuit, not a criminal criminal argument. Um, do you think it was because she she was just nervous and wasn't sure and didn't think it was right? No. I guarantee you Donald Trump, somebody connected to Donald Trump or Jeffrey Epstein threatened her. And I don't think they paid her off because they didn't have to. All they had to do was threaten this woman. She's nobody out of nowhere. And when you get the president of the United States saying, you know, you better watch out. Some shit could happen to you. You tend to take that seriously. So. Once Donald Trump becomes more weak and just can't fight his way out of a paper bag, expect that lawsuit to come back. And I think that will be a blockbuster lawsuit. He's fucked in that situation. And that one, um, if there's any way to bring it up criminally again, and I don't know, there's probably a statute of limitations on this. But if there were, he would definitely go to jail for something like this. And I got to believe if it happened with this girl so many years ago, it probably happened again somewhere in between, somewhere uh, in the not-so-distant past. Shit's going to fall apart for Donald Trump. Once the bricks start falling, he is going to be buried in said bricks. So he knows this is coming, and he's kind of flailing now, and he'll say some crazy shit or he'll do some crazy shit. 
But it always ends up the same way with a guy like Donald Trump. He ends up crashing and burning and done for good. And that's what's going to happen to Donald Trump. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.